Over the next few weeks, we're going to take three or four weeks or so uh, to look more uh, into um, our mission as a church, uh, but also to try to understand more about um, God's intentions for us uh, as it relates to money, to finances, as we're looking and anticipating uh, our our move into the uh, the new um, uh, building. Um, I know that uh, for a lot of folks, um, this is well, this has been something we've been planning for a while, but uh, we didn't anticipate uh, a large chunk of our congregation would be without uh, paychecks. Um, and so, know that that is not missed by me. I understand that. Um, But at the the same time, as we think about uh, what God would have for his people as it relates to uh, his purpose for our lives, as it relates to our attitudes towards money, towards worry, towards anxiety, towards finances and stewardship and generosity, maybe a very appropriate time to look at that would be when we are uh, that uh, our confidence in that and uh, the provision of that is uh, is in hanging in the balance, um, and so we're going to do that over the next few uh, the next few weeks. Um, uh, and so this morning we're more focusing on uh, our mission as a as a church. And um, the way that we want to we're going to look at that uh, the, this morning is, is we have been talking about a building project that we have. But the interesting thing is, is that as we look through the scriptures, a common theme and uh, an imagery that God uses to describe his his purposes in the world and what he's doing in the midst of his people is with the imagery of a building project. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to look more deeply at God's building project. To understand what's the foundation of God's building project? What are the materials that God is using to build this project? And what are the purposes that He's do, that He's that He has in mind as He's as He's building it? And hopefully that'll help us understand more our purpose and then evaluate our project to see how does it tie in, not just the the, the project of of this this new building and location, but does it is it bigger than? Just that is that it expand into every aspect of our lives. So that's what we want to look at this morning. Um, and so we're going to be in First Peter. Um, we're going to be in chapter two, uh, looking at verses four through ten. And if you want to follow along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, you'll find this on page one thousand fourteen and one thousand fifteen. Uh, so if you would. Uh, Follow along with me as I read from the Word of God this morning. From 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word 
as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, We thank You that uh, it is true. That it's living, it's active because of the work of the Spirit. Uh, Not just in writing it, but as You apply it to our lives now. And we pray uh, that You would do that this morning. Uh, Bring our hearts and our minds from everywhere else that they may be. And help us to focus on You and what You would have us learn this morning. uh, For Your glory, in Christ's name, Amen. I'm going to get a little bit of space up here. So we like to build different things at our house. And in order to do that, we got some of these at some point. Wooden blocks. Now, if we said, you know what we want to do, and sometimes we try to do this at our house, is build the tallest building we can with these blocks. The tallest tower. Now, if we were going to do that, what if I said, let's build the tallest tower and I want to start with this block on the bottom as the foundation of our tower? How well do you think that's going to do when we try to start start building it up? Is that going to, is that going to go well for us? Hmm. No, that's, that's not really working, is it? How about this? Let's, let's do this one. Is that going to do it? Wow, what, what's, the, what's the deal? What, what's wrong? Is it, it's going to fall over. Why? Why is it going to fall over? What if we... Went more for something like this. Would that work out better? It would. So the, you're telling me the, the block that we start with on the bottom, the foundation block, is really important because the rest of the building is going to be... Um, Shaped by what building, what block we put on the bottom. It's going to be stronger. It's, it's not going to fall down, and it could potentially go higher and higher if we have the best block on the bottom to start off our building, right? So guess what? It's important for us then to understand as we're looking at what God is talking about about His building project that we understand the foundation that He's building it on, because the foundation. What you are building on is significant and it's important and it actually shapes and has implications for the rest of the entire structure. If you get the foundation wrong, then the building is going to be off. So notice in this passage, the foundation of God's building project. He's not talking, he doesn't use the, the term blocks. He's using stones. Notice 
what he says in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. Uh, He's using this this term, this living stone that we come to. And we actually see later on, he he uses different terms to describe this stone. In verse 6, he says it like this. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And then in verse uh, 7, he says this again. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So God is talking about this cornerstone. It's important to understand what a cornerstone is. When you're building a a building that's made out of block or brick or stone, the cornerstone is the very first stone that's placed in the foundation. It's incredibly important because every other stone that is put uh, into the building must be organized and oriented uh, in relationship to that very first stone. It directs and informs how everything else is going to be structured. It is the most important foundational stone because it actually shapes how the whole rest of the building will be formed. And notice what God is saying here. That this cornerstone, this most important component, the foundational piece of His building project is Jesus. These passages that you'll, you see, uh, Peter even says it like this, for it stands in Scripture. And he refers to several passages in the Old Testament. All of those are, are prophecies that are talking about uh, the, the Messiah who would come. The, the chosen King, the precious One who would come to uh, establish God's kingdom, to redeem and save His people. This is Jesus. And what Peter is saying is the very foundation, the most important component of God's building project is Jesus. Peter is is saying, you know, if, if we get Jesus wrong, we get everything wrong. And as he's talking and discussing uh, this cornerstone, this foundation of God's building project, and he's talking about Jesus is this foundation, Jesus is this cornerstone, he's not talking primarily about Jesus' moral and ethical teachings. There's a, a lot of people who view Jesus in that way. Jesus is, uh, it was an incredible teacher. He was a revolutionary. Um, he, uh, people who would, uh, would, would say that they are following many different gods and who would even be a parts of other religions would say, yes, I would also consider myself a follower of Jesus. He was a wise sage and a great teacher. And so I try to apply elements of his teaching and his ethical and moral teachings to my life. Uh, Peter is not talking about Jesus in that foundational way. Although Jesus' moral and ethical teachings are important, uh, what uh, Peter is pointing to here as he references this chosen one, this cornerstone who is going to be put down, is he's talking about a Messiah who will suffer and die to redeem and save his people. He's not talking about just a mere man. He's 
the Messiah, as, as he's talked about in the Old Testament scriptures, things are said of him that could only be possible of, uh, of God. Of God becoming man to suffer, to die, to redeem, to deliver, to save his people who are lost in sin, to establish a kingdom and to sit on the throne of the kingdom for eternity. Uh, you see, Paul is saying, uh, I mean, Peter is saying, I've been talking about Paul for three months. Um, Peter is saying Jesus is what is most important. And as God's church, as his building project, it is Jesus and understanding Jesus rightly that distinguishes us from every other civic group or religion. What makes us any different from another group here in Elizabeth City that would like to see the people in Elizabeth City flourish and thrive? What makes us any different uh, from a group who would like to see uh, a building that could potentially run down, be renewed and restored in a particular neighborhood or area of our community? What makes us any different from uh, another civic group in our community that would love to see uh, those who are suffering in material poverty, their needs and issues addressed. Without this foundation of Jesus, of what we saw in Galatians, as it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and without Jesus, God in the flesh, who came and lived the perfect life that we could not live, died the death we deserved, rose from the dead to secure our life with our Heavenly Father as we look to Him in faith. If we miss out on that, if we get the gospel wrong, thinking that it's based on what we do, or that there's any other hope or path to uh, life with God, or that the key and most important thing about our life is found in anything other than Jesus, if we get that wrong then we've missed it. If we get that wrong, and we take Jesus out of the equation, we're building our tower on a wobbly, incapable stone. We are no different than any other group. You are investing and giving your life and your time and your money to something that's just going to fail. Peter is saying the foundation of God's building project is Jesus. And therefore, we must be sure, we must continue to dig in and look in the Scriptures, be convinced of and understand and know and get the Gospel right. That's what we spent the last uh, several months looking in Galatians to figure out. But notice what... What Peter says here, you're either in line with Jesus and God's building project, or you're not. You're either focused on what God's doing and a part of his building project, or you're a part of man's building project. Did you notice it's not just one builder that's spoken of in this, in this passage. You come to him, a living stone rejected by men. So there's some other people who are looking at, at stones looking at foundational pieces, things to build and structure their life, 
and everything on. And there's some that uh, Peter says and that the Scriptures say, and like in verse 7, the stone that the builders rejected. They have looked at Jesus. They have investigated Jesus. They found Him to be lacking and have said, I do not want Jesus a part of my building. I'm not going to ultimately orient all of my life to everything that Jesus is saying and communicating because that's going to have to involve me acknowledging that, that I'm a sinner, that I owe all of my allegiance and my obedience, and that my life isn't oriented and directed the way that I want to. I'm not the king. I must submit to Christ, the cornerstone, the guiding, uh, defining piece of the building. And what God says is if, if you reject Jesus as the cornerstone, if you're not a part of that building, then what he says in verse 6 is that you will ultimately end up, like he says in the, in, in the end uh, of verse 6, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. But those who reject him, the opposite will be true. You will end up in a place of experiencing shame. As you realize that you've invested your life in something that has ultimately failed. And notice again in verse 8 that Jesus becomes to them a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That term offense is uh, related to uh, thinking about transgression or sin. To reject and turn from Jesus is sin. Peter's saying there's two, two options. We're either going to uh, look to Jesus, submit to who He is, and understand Him to be the foundation of what God's doing, uh, or we're going to be building our own building. One results in rejection, in shame, in disappointment, not just, you might not at times experience it in this life, but ultimately what Peter is saying is that the trajectory of where it's going is you're building on a wobbly foundation and it'll ultimately fall. And it is a sin to reject and turn from God and what He is doing. Um, So, as we look at what God is doing with this building project and this foundation, we are seeing that what Paul is saying, or what Peter is saying, is that if we reject Jesus, we're not a part of this project. But we understand this, the foundational piece is Christ, but what are the other materials that God is using to build this project? Notice in verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as you come to Him. What does, he, what does it mean to come to Jesus? To come to the cornerstone, the chosen and precious one. Well, Peter d- explains it further as he quotes these, uh, these passages. Look in verse 6. Who is the one that comes to Jesus? At the end of verse 6, it says, whoever believes in Him. It goes on in verse 7. He explains it again. The honor is to you who believe. What Peter is saying is the materials 
that God is using in his building project is every single believer. Do you think of yourself, those of you who are hoping and trusting in Christ, as being a part of God's building project? That it's not just me as a pastor. It's not just something that, that's, that's the calling of, of missionaries. It's not just for the super serious Christians. But every single one of you who has placed your faith and hope in Jesus are a part of God's building project. Notice how Peter discusses that as that responsibility is a privilege, is a place of honor. Look in verse 7 as he talks about so it so the honor is for you who believe remember there's these other builders who have rejected the cornerstone for them it's going to result in shame it will not result in shame of those who are hoping in Jesus but we are in a place of an honored position to be a part of this building that God is structuring and and putting in place Notice even the language that's used. Remember how Jesus was described in verse 4? As you come to him, a living stone. So Jesus is described as being a living stone that's a part of this building that God is is constructing. But he says in verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. We, we are living stones as well. The terminology that's used to describe God's people is the same terminology that's used, not the cornerstone part of it, but the living stone part of it, as Jesus. We are in a very honored position that God would use us to be a part of and accomplishing this great project and mission He has to build this building. What... What God is getting at and what Peter is getting at here is that uh, as these living stones, that means that the, the way that we are living our lives and the part that we play must be oriented and understood based on who Jesus is. Remember what we saw from uh, uh, from Galatians, that it's not based on what you have done that God went around and said, you know what, man. You really have it together. This is an excellent looking stone. So alive and, uh, and full of, uh, of life and vitality. I must have this as part of my building that I'm constructing. No. We are being made into living stones. God looked at us as dead, hard-hearted ones who... The only reason we are living stones is because Jesus was a living stone. And as we look and hope in Him, remember, we are found in Christ. And as it was true for Jesus, it's true for us. And so the only reason we are a part of this project is because of what Jesus has done for us. That means what Peter is getting at is that since this is the role and responsibility of every believer, 
then um, it's not really optional. We are and must be a part of God's building project. See, this is important for us to understand because right now we're talking about a building project of our own as a church, of, uh, of renovating this space over here on Riverside Avenue. Um, that is a temporary building project that will last for a, a certain amount of time, and it's optional. You aren't required and obligated to be a participant in what is going on over there. But there's another building project that's going on that, that Peter's talking about here. One that is not temporary. It's permanent. And one that is op- not optional. It is the privilege requirement of every single one of God's people to be involved and participating in this project that he's building. Um, uh, as God is building up his church, as he's building up his presence here in, uh, in, in Elizabeth City and in the world, he's involving you and he's involving me to be a part of it. What that means, though, is that we could raise all the money to build this, to renovate this building over here. It could happen in record time. It could be constructed and we could move over there and begin meeting over there and completely and totally miss God's building project. Because the goal and the purpose that God has, which we'll look at in a little bit, but it's involving all of us. If you just think or I just think I'll give money and I will see this uh, building built and accomplished, we've missed it. Because the bigger aspect of what's going on, remember what is important for the living stones that are a part of this building are, is that we must be oriented appropriately to the cornerstone that's there. Every stone in the building must be directed and understand its position, its role, its orientation based on the cornerstone. We don't just build with blocks in our house. We build with Legos, too. And I don't know if you've ever built a Lego kit, but usually you get a ton of bricks and an instruction booklet. And depending on the amount of uh, pieces and the, the size of the thing you're building, those instruction booklets can be very, very long. And we've had this happen multiple times. As we're, we've been building a, uh, 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 a Lego kit, whether it's, you know, some sort of um, Star Wars thing or a Harry Potter thing or some sort of superhero thing, and we'll get almost to the very end, and we're starting to put some of the pieces together, and we'll realize, oh, it's not fitting together right. We're off. So, something's, something's not right. And so we'll start flipping back. We have to go back and look through the instruction book to see where we are off. And usually what happens is that very early in the process, one brick was just one of those little bumps out of, out of whack. It was not lined up appropriately. And what did that do? It led to the whole thing being off. We need to understand 
That as we're living our lives, what Jesus is calling us to as being these living stones that are a part of the building he's building is that we must think and look in every aspect of our lives. How am I as a participant in this great mission and building project that God is doing? Am I lining up and I'm in line? Is my, how is my life connected, oriented towards Jesus? Every aspect of my life. Not just what I do on Sunday mornings, but the way I think about my career, the way I think about my relationships, the way I think about spending my money or how I use my body. If I understand my place and my role that is not just for pastors and missionaries to, to be focused on this project being built up, but it is my privilege, my honor as one who could be called a living stone, just as Jesus is called a living stone to participate in what he's doing, that I look and I want to understand what does Jesus want me to do with everything in my life so that every aspect of who I am is oriented to him for his glory and for the purpose of building up God's great building project. Every single one of us has a part to play. And as we think about it and we move forward in thinking about this uh, project in uh, our, own, uh, our own church, um, we need to con- reconsider and evaluate our individual and as a group, our part in this great building that Jesus is constructing and that God is uh, making. That means that, that each of us as individuals have a part to play to understand uh, what God is calling us to in the Scriptures, to understand our identity as His people, to understand the Gospel and who Jesus is, to be invested and involved in one another and making sure that before our Heavenly Father, we're asking Him to reveal and show us how would you use me in your mission? How would you, what would you change in my life? Where am I living, moving out of uh, astray? Am I, am I one little Lego bump off? Am I 50 off? Show me that I might trust and hope and depend and rely on Jesus more and more and more. That's my responsibility too. But on the other side, I, I have an additional responsibility to encourage and shepherd us as a congregation to make sure that constantly before us is Jesus his beauty, his worth, his significance. That we would all be encouraged and motivated by the gospel for our lives to be given to him, to be directed by him, to be oriented by him, to talk about difficult things that may come up in the scriptures, to encourage and challenge our perspectives on sexuality, on generosity, on finances, on, uh, on hospitality. Because it's all about Christ. It's all about the foundation stone, the cornerstone, and all of our lives being directed. Why? For the glory of God's building that He is making. All of us have a role. Just contributing to what we're doing over there uh, isn't, uh, is the, the smallest part. Think about the impact and influence, not just our church, 
But the gospel would have if we all more, by the grace of God, understand our role, our place, the part we have to play in God's great building project and the honor and privilege you have as a redeemed son and daughter, as a redeemed living stone to be a part of God's project. But it's important for us to understand what that purpose is. This is where we wrap up as we understand the purpose of God's building. First, notice that the purpose of why God is building this, this building this imagery of building this, uh, this project in the beginning is to multiply the worship of God. Notice in verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That terminology that Peter is using there is pointing us back to uh, the temple. What God is doing, and, and as He's building and structuring this, uh, His people into this structure, is to multiply the worship of God. Remember what we saw in Leviticus, the temple, the tabernacle, was the primary and only place uh, where God met in a special way with His people and where the worship of God in profound and significant ways happened. It was there as God's people met before Him and worshipped Him that uh, worship was to grow and spread throughout the, throughout the world. As Israel, as God's redeemed people, worshipped the only one living and true God. God is saying that what He is doing here is He's building this building as a, as a means, and one of the purposes of it is to see worship of Him multiplied. Notice how it comes up as well. Uh, that Not only are you a spiritual house, but you're a holy priesthood that's offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Remember what we saw about the priests. Some of the sacrifices that they offered were um, uh, obviously in response to, to sin that needed to happen. But remember, even with every one of the sin offerings we saw, uh, a chief component of the offerings that were put up by the priests were in response to worship and praise at the provision of what God had done for His people. And what Peter is saying here is that every single believer, the purpose of what God is doing as He's building up this building project, the mission He has for the church, the mission He has for each individual church member is to see the, the worship of God multiplied. Not just thinking about numbers of people growing in the seats here on Sunday morning. But notice what he says, spiritual sacrifices. Peter's thinking figuratively as well, and more broader than just what would happen in a worship service. He's talking about every single aspect and component of our lives. As we grow more and more to worship the God who created and made all things, who's been at work in our lives, changing us, redeeming us. Notice all that he points to that we have to praise and worship God for. Notice at the end of verse 10, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We were rebels. We were enemies. We were estranged from God. And now He has saved and redeemed us. Not just to be grubby slaves, but to be His children. 
to be in a precious and glorious and honorable place to build up, to worship, to sing His praises, and to demonstrate His glory. And that's the, the next aspect, the last aspect. It's not only to multiply the worship of God, but it's to magnify the glory of God. Notice in verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter here is using language as he's writing to this church, as he's writing to us, that was true of Israel in the Old Testament. Why did God choose and call Israel? Was it because of their greatness? No, God's very clear about that. He, he chose and He saved them and He called them from, out of their, their, uh, their life of sin and rebellion. He saved them to a relationship with Himself and He saved them for something. A mission to glorify Him among the nations. This chosen nation was to demonstrate the glory and redeeming power of God among the nations who would look at Him as they worshipped Him, as they proclaimed uh, His greatness, and as they told others about who He was. Israel wasn't saved just to get them out of Egypt. You and I were not saved just to get us out of hell. God has saved us to be a part of this project. To be a part of proclaiming His excellencies. The One who called us out of darkness. The One who has brought us into light and into this project. God has saved and redeemed us. What does it look like for us to proclaim His excellencies? First, are God's excellencies on your heart and on your mind? Does worship come easily for you? Or is those, are those areas that you and I need to grow? Is, is, remember, it's not just coming here on Sundays, but that's a good place to start. What's our attitude and our motives as we're coming? Are we moved by this truth? The Creator of all things has made us His people that He's given His life for us. He's saved and redeemed us. That it's looking back, preaching the gospel to ourselves that fuels our worship and praise of Him. But also we see the opportunity to speak, to proclaim, to tell others about who He is and what He's done. Each of us have an, the opportunity, the privilege to participate in evangelism in sharing the good news to those who don't know Christ about who He is and what He's done. That's a key part of what it means to be a part of this building project. And so all of us, we need to begin to think about this. How will this move help to further this purpose God has? To further magnify, to further magnify God's glory, to further multiply the worship of God. Well, it's going to help us grow as we have more space to seat people. But that's not the end of it. Our location is we're in a neighborhood where there's diverse representation of the people of Elizabeth City. But that means that we're going to have to get to know people. It's providing opportunities for us to step out and reach out and engage those who are around us. It's calling us to have to think through and consider what we're doing with our money, our lives, our time, 
to make sure we're investing in every way possible of what God is doing here in Elizabeth City. But also, we need to make sure that as a church and as individuals, we're a part of this greater building project that we're praying for, that we're focused on how we can be used to see the gospel go forward, how we can grow as worshipers, as delighters in Jesus. God has done a great thing in sending this chosen and precious cornerstone. And in His mercy and in His grace, He's called us as His people to be a part of this project. It's only as we look to Christ, as we grip and understand the gospel more and more, uh, that we will see Jesus as the foundation and cornerstone of the project. That we'll understand that by His grace, we're a part, we're the materials of this project. And that we'll move forward in dependency on the Spirit to see the purposes and intentions of God in this project come to fruition Not just here in Harbor, but for the glory of God throughout the world. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for uh, the purpose and mission You have. uh, For Your name to be glorified. And that You would use us, Your people, to do that. Show us Jesus more. Help us to understand what it is You're calling us to that we would be more assured of the gospel, that Jesus would be more precious in our sight. We pray that you would continue to use and stretch us as a church to be involved in what you're doing here and around the world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.